0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The finals are upon us. Tatum, Curry, Brown, Thompson, Smart, Wiggins, Horford, Poole, Celtics, Warriors. You can bet on all of the NBA Finals action with betonline.ag, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up using the link in the description to this episode. Bet Online, where the game starts. Yeah, the 60 friendly, but this way I lay up. The shit, a motherfucking layup. I been Steph Curry with the shot, been cooking with the sauce, Chef Curry with the pot, boy. Hey. All yes, right, everybody. Yeah. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of Wired Up. This is wired up episode 120 welcome in everybody it is an nba finals post-game show once again here on the take it easy podcast this one is going to be the night of steph curry i guess because uh steph curry balled out in game four of the finals call it a reverse jinx call it whatever i said that the celtics would win game four the celtics are a better team than the golden state warriors i still stand behind this statement both these teams are incredibly evenly matched and it's a series that i feel like could go six seven game it's well now it's going to go six or seven games but it could be celtics in six celtics in seven warriors in six warriors in seven The quality of basketball is so high, even if the games have been kind of repetitive in nature for until the end of game four. Of course, games one and three were repetitive in nature. Game four was looking like it was going to be repetitive in nature with Steph Curry carrying and clay thompson just being average and somehow andrew wiggins being the third best player on the warriors but now he's the second best player on the warriors because apparently draymond green is unplayable at the end of basketball games oh my god so much to break down here after game four i'm excited i hope you guys are excited Let's start off the show by doing the waxing poetic thing about Steph Curry and I know that Steph Curry's all of a sudden become a point of contention across NBA circles now which I find kind of weird considering how long Steph Curry's been around and the fact that like last year I think he finished third in the MVP and the Warriors missed the playoffs but then the Warriors got back a former all-star in Clay Thompson full season of Wiggins Add Jordan Poole. I mean, Jordan Poole was there last year, but like add Jordan Poole into the mix and boom, all of a sudden it could take advantage of a weak Western conference and boom, all of a sudden you're in the finals and Steph Curry's the best player. And some people felt like Steph Curry needed to win a finals MVP to prove His legacy, just as like a lot of people last year were like, Kevin Durant needs to win a finals with Brooklyn and he'll receive infinite validation for the rest of time. And I look at that and I'm like, I already have infinite validation for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was the best basketball player in the world for five years. And Kevin Durant then got hurt and that was the end of Kevin Durant okay boom whatever uh Steph Curry was the best player for like one year in the mix when Durant was hurt blah 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 whatever Steph and KD, two best players of a generation two of the three best players in the NBA for a long time Steph Curry's still one of the five to ten best players in the NBA and Oh, Steph Curry had an amazing, amazing basketball game. And I didn't realize like just how often major finals performances happen. I was I, I was in a restaurant and I was watching the the NBA Today show with the Malika Andrews version of the jump. But I'm used to the jump because that's what I used to watch when I was in high school. And they just happened to flash an all-time game four team. And they were showing the list of like best game fours in NBA history, and it was like 34 and 15 from Kawhi Leonard it was 33 and 16 from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in like 1974 it was I think Kobe Bryant was in there for one of them or Michael Jordan I think was in there and Jerry West but it, it was just like there weren't a lot of notable ones maybe it's just a game four specific thing but like if that's the standard we're talking about trying to fit in a 43 and and 10 basketball game where Steph Curry goes 7 for 14 from the three point line, 8 of 9 from the free throw line. Which, by the way, a game the Warriors only shot 15 free throws in the entire basketball game. Steph Curry, 8 of 9 at the free throw line, 50% from three on another game where his team just let him down. And Draymond Green played like shit again. Not as bad as game three shit, but still like. Oh my God, this is where everything falls apart. And yet team defense still held the Celtics to shooting under 40% from the field and exactly 40% from three. But like, I know we started out talking about Kevin Durant and macro level stuff around Steph Curry. Fit and, and this might be an over exaggeration, like fitting in a 43 and 10 game from a point guard in a finals game where it's not quite winner go home, odds are still really close to being a winner go home game. It's one of those legendary finals performances, and I guess people talk about Steph doesn't have it in the finals, and that's like a macro-level boring conversation I don't want to engage with. The macro-level conversation I want to have is just about the greatness of Steph Curry, because the thing I yell all the time is appreciate greatness, appreciate greatness, and unless it's the universal greatness of Tom Brady, no, we can't appreciate greatness unless it's been beaten out of us over two decades and you're the greatest of all greats. Steph Curry is has that in terms of shooting prowess and people still don't think of him as one of the 10 best players in the history of the NBA, despite the fact that he's been the guy on a championship team and on a super team with like Kevin Durant was the best player. But like when Kevin Durant's the best player in the sport and Steph Curry's the third best player in the sport, it's not a noticeable difference between the two of them. How great those two teams and how great those two players are. Steph Curry for seven years has been the best player in the nba and i know we've done podcasts before about the steph curry generation that was about to come and it did not happen just absolutely wrong about all of us absolutely wrong about what the steph curry generation was going to be we thought it was going to be an entire generation of guys who were six foot three shooting the ball from half court we got trey young so you got the sixth best player of his generation but because Luka Doncic being able to be 6'8 and shoot like that is still going to supersede Trey Young 16 times out of 16 times. So, like... Even if that's the case, even if it wasn't a Steph Curry generation, even if the NBA changed as a result of Steph Curry, although I always argue the NBA was inevitable to change regardless of whether the Warriors super team happened, the Warriors just had the advantage of greatest shooter in the history of the NBA and second greatest or fifth greatest shooter in the history of the NBA in Clay Thompson for a period of time, happening to be on the same team. Now Clay Thompson's like the fourth best player on the Warriors now, but for a, a period of time. From like 2014 to 2019, for a generation, Clay Thompson's the second to third best shooter in all of the NBA, probably behind Damian Lillard, but still, you know, two of the three best shooters in the NBA on the same team, creating their own shot with a Steve Kerr motion offense that's tailored to those guys' still skills, instead of just running the same high pick and roll screens that almost everyone runs in the NBA because you can get switches, but all of that. From the macro level conversation of Steph Curry gets discredited because of how people were told they were supposed to hate the Golden State Warriors teams, and of course the Warriors. I, I you saw Kevin Durant beefing with like Stephen A. Smith and Shannon Sharpe and or. Our, was it shannon sharp yeah whatever it was but kevin durant beefing with them draymond green beefing with them like those warriors teams have a goddamn right to be pissed at those people because those people trafficked in hatred of that warriors team for three years and it was so unfair on kevin durant and draymond green and steph curry and all those dudes because it diminished the greatness of what that team was and the fact that they're here Last year I talked about with um, LeBron versus Steph. It was like we're not guaranteed any matchups like this again of what the NBA used to be like with these players still in their prime. The fact that we have the Warriors in the finals this year and it's basically just the 2015 team all over again. If you slide in um, Andrew Wiggins for Andre Iguodala and Jordan Poole for Harrison Barnes and just keep the whole thing rolling, it's basically just the 2015 Warriors. Same core of three players. You know, Clay Thompson's probably the third best player, but it also could be Iguodala, and now it's definitely Andrew Wiggins. And and this team's probably worse than the 2015 version of the Warriors because, you know, Steph Curry's not the same player he was. But even still, like, Golden State is so freaking good. And it was crazy to watch that game because it was just Steph Curry bomb, Steph Curry bomb. And in the fourth quarter, because I'd been so conditioned to games one and games three where, you know, Boston gets outscored in the third quarter, And Well, actually, I think in all of... So game one, Boston was up two points at the end of the first... Or at at halftime. The In game two, the Warriors were up like two points. Game three, Boston was up five points. And game four, Boston was up five points at halftime in all of these games. And so all of the first halves felt like they were exactly the same game script. And so as I'm watching this and I'm watching the Warriors again have a third quarter where they outscore Boston, but they didn't really dominate Boston. I think they only outscored them by six points because I think it was 79-78 right before all of that happened. And the third quarter, yeah, it was 30-24. to 24, I got it right. 30-24 to 24 was the third quarter output there. And the whole way through the fourth quarter, I'm like, this is where Boston pulls away. This is where Boston pulls away. This is where Boston pulls away. It also happened at the start of the quarter because – Right at the end, they like threw Steph Curry threw a pass like over the back of his head, and it got intercepted. And uh, Bajiciliza had had an out of bounds play where he basically like just wafted the ball in right to Marcus Smart. Basically like, ah shit, we're gonna get a five second violation. Let me just throw the ball into the corner so that they can't go on a fast break. Like I'm watching that and I'm like, this is exactly how. It fell apart for the Warriors in Game 1. Not exactly Game 1 because the Celtics hit a shit ton of shots, but the Warriors only had 16 points. And this is exactly how it fell apart in Game 3. Where I sat here afterwards, it was like the fourth quarter Celtics defense was me changing my opinion. I, I mean, there had been little things building up like dominating the Bucks at the end of Game 7. Uh, game two, Game one where they hit all those shots and they dared him to hit them, and they did. 16.4th quarter, 11.4th quarter, uh, or I think it was an 11.1st, whatever it was. There was an 11-point quarter, there was a 16-point quarter that they had defensively. I'm like, oh, Boston's a better team than Golden State. They're deeper. They're, their second, third, and fourth end talent is as good as Golden State's. They're deeper on the bench. Jason Tatum can create his own shot. Matches what Steph Curry's been doing. Okay, Boston's a better team. And that does I said the whole way, but it doesn't guarantee that they're going to win the series. It just means if Boston loses, it's setting them up for abject disappointment. They should win this series, even still with the Game 4 result. But what's interesting about Golden State is I'm expecting Boston to pull away. I'm expecting Boston to pull away. And then the Warriors go 10-0 run. When it was 94-90, Golden State hits 10-0 run. There was a Steph Curry 3 in there, and I can't remember who else had a bucket in there. Maybe it was Poole. I'm, I'm I'm trying to remember what it was where uh it was it was 9490 I know that for sure and then the warriors go the the last bucket was a curry 3 okay it was wiggin's layup it was clay thompson 3-pointer steph curry floater and then I think there was a bunch of like pause in there and then steph curry hits that 3-pointer with a hand dead ass in his face to put him up 194. I knew there was a break in there where it was like stuck at 9794 for a while. And then Steph hits that shot and I'm like, oh. Oh, that was not what I was expecting to happen. That was not what I was conditioned to have happened in that game. Cause I'd seen Boston pull away so many times before. I'd saw it against Milwaukee. I saw it against Brooklyn. I saw it against Miami, except for that final five minute or final three and a half minutes of game seven where they gave it all back. I'd seen Boston pull away with strong team defense at the end of all of these games, and this time it was Golden State, who had the counters on defense. Zero point, what was it? Zero points for Boston for what was it? Four, three and a half minutes from 5:18 until 132. That's four minutes or three minutes, 45 seconds. Three minutes and 45 seconds, no baskets. For the Boston Celtics. No basket for Boston. And that was just mesmerizing to see that change. And testament to the greatness of the Warriors, sure, it's a small sample size. It's not an indictment or pro of any of these teams. Sample sizes don't actually matter. Boston's probably the better team than Golden State, even though Golden State was a slight favorite. Testament to the greatness of Steph Curry might be an overreaction it's a memory. And sometimes sports are dumb like that. When we create stakes and storylines around events and the stakes are already there, stakes can sometimes drive storylines and storylines can drive stakes. Those two things work together to drive interest in basketball. Because remember the thing we say all the time, like stakes and storylines are the two things that drive interest in sports. If you've all the nuance and strip all of the detail, stakes on games and events, storylines of events, players, teams whatever whatever storylines you want to generate that's how people get interested in basketball and want to follow this and want to watch and whatever else you wants to be sometimes the stakes can breed storylines and the storylines can create stakes this is a situation where stakes manifest into storylines over years, and sometimes it's just dumb analysis. Like, the whole Steph Curry analysis has gotten increasingly dumb as NBA Twitter spent too much time following the Warriors over the past year now, just as the analysis got kind of dumb over the Phoenix Suns, too, and the Lakers always, and Brooklyn always. And the more time you spend following a team, the, the less there's actually able to say about the team itself because sports aren't as complex as, as we make them out to be. So as Steph Curry conversations have gotten increasingly dumb, you get a memory, even if you're not following it like I have, I just know the periphery of the detailed conversations and hear other people complaining about it. You get a moment that you remember. When you push back on certain series, there's a lot of forgettable moments because we just can't remember everything that's important. If the Warriors win, even if the Warriors lose, you still get a memorable moment that you can pull away from Steph Curry having a 43 and 10 finals game which like guards to have 40 and 10 finals games is like only Magic Johnson and Jerry West. And it's just something that you pull away and remember from this finals. And the example I use all the time is baseball. My favorite memory of the 2014 or 2018 season was that 18-inning Red Sox-Dodgers game where Max Muncy hit a walk-off homer at like 12.30 at night on the West Coast, and it was a seven-hour, 20-minute baseball game. That series ended in five or six games, and I don't really remember a whole lot else except Chris Sale coming in to close out the World Series and Manny Machado getting a K, uh, uh, like striking out to end the World Series and showing a K. And it was... It was just an amazing moment, but the Dodgers give that moment that you remember even because the results we're always going to remember the results. We're always going to remember the MVP. that's why we document them. It's why we remember them and some people can recite them for memory like how I can recite every single Super Bowl champion going back to like 1980s including team all the way to the 60s with the champions. So in that case, like it's really, really interesting how, the the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry delivered you a moment, delivered you a moment that you remember closing out a game on a 17 to three run to win that game against Boston is a memory that you're going to carry with you. And I think that's really, really cool from the macro level conversation, because the whole way I'm like. Chalk says Boston pulls away. Boston pulls away. I picked Boston to win the series. I picked Boston to win the game. I picked Golden State to win the series. I thought Boston was going to win Game Four. The Warriors didn't do enough in the third quarter to pull away because Boston was up five at halftime, and the Warriors missed some opportunities because they only shot like four free throws in the first half. So Boston's up. Warriors are tied, basically, at the end of the third quarter. I've seen Boston win every fourth quarter of the series so far. I'm thinking this is where Boston pulls away. This is where they go up 3-1. They're in the element. And Golden State goes on a 17-3 run to end the basketball game with five minutes to go. And I'm mesmerized, not by Boston only scoring three, And not by Draymond Green being on the bench and the Warriors defense seemingly getting better. Because the whole way I kept thinking of that video with the guys like, man, I'm getting cooked. That's how I thought about Draymond Green. He's not giving you anything on offense, but he doesn't usually give you anything on offense. His strength is team defense. You know what? Actually, finish the point on the Warriors, then go into Draymond Green. Macro level point about Golden State, they gave you a moment to remember. And win the series, you remember game four just like you remember game six for Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry hitting 12, or I think it was game five for Kawhi Leonard, I remember. <laughs> Point still stands. I know in my mind I'm like, was it game four, was it game five, was it game six? Okay, you remember the the moments that Kawhi gave you in the playoffs, the game six against Milwaukee. You remember the game four four of the finals where he had that 34 and 15 performance you remember game six of the finals where he has the closeout moment and clay thompson tears the acl whatever it was point still stands it gives you a moment to remember you remember Giannis blocking deandre ayton right before closing out the nba finals you have moments that you look back on and you can point to there and the warriors have that moment that 17 three run to end game four absolute turning point in the series because it's 3-1 Draymond Green spiraling this thing is cooked they are cooked they are not going to win three in a row down 3-1 against the Boston Celtics but down 2-1 against the Celtics you steal one from Boston you could win game five, you could win game six, you could get two straight wins against Boston, you already got the one, you could get two straight wins against Boston at this point, Warriors were looking cooked, I thought it was going to be the moment Boston, their this is it moment, there's always a this is it moment with finals champions, I thought this was Boston's this is it moment, and the Warriors Flipped it on a dime. And I think that's really, really fascinating in the macro level conversation about this NBA Finals and stakes and storylines around sports and specifically around basketball and around this Warriors team. Because there's been a whole lot of storylines for a whole lot of years on Golden State. And they're basically operating operating on borrowed time now. And I think it's really, really cool what they were able to pull off at the end of Game 4, which is give us another Golden State memory. Win or lose the series... Maybe if they lose it, it'll fade from memory, but it's it's one of those that we're going to carry win or lose probably through this series was that 17-3 run for Golden State at the end and Steph Curry putting up that magical performance in the finals. Because even if he doesn't win finals MVP, you still got that to point to and say, yeah, but I remember that one, just like I remember Game Six, Clay. I remember Game Seven, Steph Curry against OKC. I remember Steph Curry in Game Five against the Rockets in 2018. I remember Steph Curry sweeping out the the Portland Trailblazers with no Kevin Durant in the playoffs. I remember Steph Curry putting out the dagger against. I got what, nope. I don't remember. I don't remember the team. Uh, but I and now I remember this. And that's a cool thing you can point to win or lose in the series. It's something memorable coming out of this series. So now to the Draymond Green point. Draymond Green, I said after game three, like Draymond Green, okay, had his worst finals performance ever. I assume that's not going to happen again. This was not the worst finals performance for Draymond Green, but it was damn close to matching the poor performances Draymond Green has had uh, in Game 3. It was really bad. So bad he got benched at the end of the game, and the Warriors went on a 17-3 run after Draymond Green got benched. It's ridiculous how that shit went down. Because if you would have told me that Draymond Green would... Not necessarily, I mean, he'd give you two points and he'd be getting posted up by Jalen Brown. And he'd be getting bullied around one t- I saw it one time. I'm not going to say it was the whole game. But one time he got backed down by Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart hit a floater over his head. Yo, that would have been an absolute change of the pace. Because remember what we said after game three. The, the game and the series, the ball is in the Celtics' offenses court. Because as much as we talked about the Warriors and that game plan and that series uh, matchup and all that stuff coming in, Warriors formula worked again. What is the Warriors formula? Golden State has said if we can shoot 40% from three, we can get 110 points. What is, and the Warriors in game 1 shot 44%, they had 110 points. The Celtics just happened to have 120. Next game Warriors shot 45% from 3. They scored 100 and what was it? 115 points, 116 points against the Celtics. They they pulled everyone after the third quarter. They scored 90 points in three quarters. Basically what I'm going for there. Last game they shot 39% from the three point line. Golden State had 101 points. And they also, like Draymond Green, had that awful game and they didn't get to the free throw line very much. But 101 points. Next game, tonight, 35% from the three-point line, 44% from the field, and you get 107 points. Warriors have this shit down to a science. As long as you can shoot 40% from the field, you can score 110 points. Because, again, 40% from three if, so let's say they have to make two more three-pointers to get to 40%. That's 113 points. If they had shot 40% from three, they would have scored 113 points. They shot 35%, they scored 107. Basically, the same formula. You get 110 points if you shoot 40% from three. They didn't even hit that number tonight, but it was only a six-point difference, which in the NBA, six-point difference can mean a lot. Which brings us over to the Celtics. The ball was in the Celtics' court offensively. The Warriors' offense is a machine. Celtics' defense, guard them as well as you can. They've created a machine where if they hit this many shots, they will score this many points, and you're kind of at the whim of their shooters sometimes. You can deny them in the middle. You can rotate. You can create turnovers, all that stuff. They actually had more turnovers tonight. The, The Warriors had 16. Celtics had 15, which is... Kind of surprising because it felt like both teams were just turning the ball over a lot, but I did think Boston had more turnovers. But Warriors have a have a machine of an offense. Boston can only do so much to defend it. Golden State's defense was at least stable, and now it's unstable. And Draymond Green is, is short circuiting in the middle of the series. And I'm not saying like Draymond Green's not a great basketball player or anything like that. Like this is not an indictment of Draymond Green the person. Like Draymond Green's had two shitty basketball games in a row. And he got benched at the end of game four. Like mid game adjustment, Steve Kerr decided let's put Draymond on the bench. But we're going to leave Clay Thompson in. Even though it feels like Clay Thompson is becoming an offensive liability at times, but he's also a volume shooter who's going to take 10 threes a game. And we need him to just keep shooting, shooting, shooting. Basically, Duncan Robinson, except he's shooting more contested shots and has better practice. We just, just keep throwing up shots, Clay. We're going to put Draymond on the bench at the end of the game we're gonna have looney we're gonna have Otto porter jordan pool steph clay wiggins basically be the six-man rotation at the end of the game and i thought that was really really shocking because it's draymond green and if draymond green is going to short circuit and the warriors defense is going to short circuit because of how much draymond is affects that defense i mean boston they've given you the lane there and maybe the Warriors' defensive strategy switched up and actually made a significant impact. i got to be honest, I'm trying to remember how the end of the game went, and I'm struggling to remember like why Boston missed so many shots. So I'm just going to kind of go back and read through the arsenal here. So it was Jalen Brown missed two-pointer. Jalen Brown missed three-pointer. Uh, Jason Tatum missed three-pointer. Uh, then the Celtics turnover... Um, Marcus Smart missed three-pointer. Jalen Brown offensive rebound. Marcus Smart missed three-pointer. Uh, Al Horford missed three-pointer. Uh, where was it? Jalen Brown turnover. The They did get an Al Horford-made three-pointer. Then uh, Derek White missed three-pointer. So it just feels like the Celtics just shot a bunch of three-pointers at the end of the game. And again, I'm learning this right now in box score watching. But like 0 for 7 at the end of the game is just... Damn, you're shit out of luck. And you're also shit out of luck because the Warriors scored 17 points in five and a half minutes. I mean, you're just shit out of luck. Tough break. You're going to probably lose that basketball game. 0 for 7 at the end of the game from 3. Yeah, tough break. (laughs) It's just a really, really tough break at the end of the basketball game. Ended up still shooting 39% from 3. Their, their drive-and-kick offense has been awesome affecting Golden State's defense. Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart posting up Draymond Green was not something I thought coming into the series was going to happen, and Draymond Green getting literally played off the court for Otto Porter at the end of Game 4 was not something I thought would happen, and Golden State would still go on a 17-3 run after the fact, but holy shit, that's, that's what happened. Boston went over 7 from 3. Ball in Boston's offensive court dropped it a little bit tonight. Again, I think the storyline is more greatness of the Warriors than it is like shortcomings of Boston Celtics. But both come both come into play when Boston's up 94-90 with five and a half minutes to go. And I'm just assuming that Boston's going to pull away because I've seen Boston do it time and time again. And the Warriors have only scored up to this point uh, 11 points in the fourth quarter. Like, ha- over halfway through the fourth quarter, the Warriors only have 11 points. And then it finishes 17-3. J- I mean, Boston, you're left shaking in your boots after that one happens. Ooh, Ooh. that one is brutal. That one is brutal. Just a brutal finish to that one. And the Draymond Green one is interesting because the Warriors' defense pivoted didn't exactly pivot in a perfect way to maximize the Warriors defense pivoted, but it didn't maximize their efficiency. Cause like, I guess auto Porter works. I mean, it's hard to be more efficient than three points in the final five and a half minutes. It just felt like, I mean, again, it, it was weird that Boston didn't score. So I feel like it's like, bad process, good results, but I guess it was good process because like it was smart to leave Draymond Green off the floor at the end because he's such an offensive liability, and if his defense is only going to be average instead of above average, then I guess you're better off doing the Otto porter Kevon Looney thing because at least Otto Porter can chase people around on the perimeter and at least, you know, shake things up when Jalen Brown gets a hand in his face or shake things up when Al Horford gets a hand in his face instead of Draymond who's going to sit in the paint like in game one and dare them to shoot. But even when they get in the paint, like Jason Tatum did pretty good at getting to the basket during this basketball game. I guess at the end, they kind of just deferred to, we're just going to outshoot the Warriors, and maybe you can blame the strategy there. It just felt like they were right there the whole way, and it didn't work out. And Draymond going to the bench is fascinating. I still think even if you change the series, as long as the Warriors' offense is still going to be a machine and the the Celtics don't have answers for Steph Curry... Because, like, how can you find answers for Steph Curry? He's Steph Curry. Maybe Steph Curry has a 2-for-12 shooting game, but, like, Steph Maybe that's going to happen. Maybe that's going to change the entire series because Steph Curry's going to shoot 2-for-12. Maybe the greatness falls apart, and everyone gets to bash on Steph Curry instead of him having a game that only Magic Johnson and Jerry West have ever had. Maybe that's what ends up happening, and maybe that the machine falls apart because the anchor of the machine, Steph Curry, fell apart. Because, again, Steph Curry shot 7-for-14 from 3. That's a massive volume shooting game where he shoots 50% from the three-point line, and the Warriors still shot 34% from three. Here, let's do the math real quick. Here, actually, so let's say Steph Curry instead of going seven for, uh, say Steph Curry doesn't go seven for 14, he goes four for 14 from the three-point line. The Golden State Warriors, if he goes 4-for-14 from the three-point line, which is a a below-average Steph Curry game, no question, that means the Golden State Warriors would have been, at that point, well, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but still, the Golden State Warriors would have shot 15-for-47, which, or I guess, no, subtract the three, so 12-for-47, that is a 27% shooting game from three. The Warriors would have been 27% from the three-point line if you take those shots away. And if that's the case, there's no scenario that they should win that basketball game, except in this scenario, they actually do win that basketball game because Boston goes 0-7 for 7 from the three-point line. They only win by one point in this scenario. They do still win the game. As long as I mean, if they shoot twenty whatever percent, the Celtics can go zero for seven at the end of the game and still beat Golden State. So maybe the machine falls apart in the next couple games. If the machine's going to stay intact for Golden State, ball is still in the Celtics court offensively. Maybe the Warriors adjust with Dray. I mean, you still got to stick with Draymond at least for the first three quarters of games, and then reevaluate when you get to crunch time. Like you gotta just you still gotta roll with Draymond playing twenty five to thirty minutes at this point even if he sits in the end of the game to defer to Otto Porter and Kevon Looney you still gotta roll with the punches and stick with Draymond Green right off the bat it it's so fascinating it's so fascinating how that how that's gonna work out for them as they keep going um, a couple other points Jalen Brown was Jalen Brown pretty much just gonna give you twenty five. 20 and 5 is what I mean, not 25. He's going to give you 20 and 5 every game. That's Jalen Brown at this point. That's pretty much all he is. Shoot 40% from the field, shoot 33% from the three point line. That's Jalen Brown's stat line at this point. Jalen Brown is 20 points, 5 rebounds, 45% from the field. from three that's Jalen Brown. That's that's what he exists for at this point. Super helpful for Boston. Not going to be anything different. It looks like Uh, (laughs) also the last joke I'd like to make the idea of Andrew Wiggins being the second best player on a championship team is just absolutely baffling to me at this point because they're basically telling him to just be Drew Holiday. The thing about Golden State though is that they don't have a Chris Middleton Steph Curry kind of overcompensates for that a little bit. Wiggins, if we if Draymond Green's gonna play himself off the floor, <laughs> Wiggins is gonna be the second best player on a championship team. That's so funny to me. And they still have him guarding Tatum to tooth and nail, and Tatum's still only giving you eight for twenty three because Tatum hits a lot of shots, but he takes a lot of really difficult. Think about that. Jason Tatum was four for fifteen from the field from the two point range. Four for 15 in two-point range on that game. Man, it is so freaking fascinating how that's going to play out. Because Wiggins, when Tatum tries to drive, he ain't getting shit on Wiggins in this series. That's what's preventing Tatum from having a 40-point game in this series. He's not taking a bunch of threes because Jason Tatum takes a lot of difficult shots. And Wiggins on ball against Tatum is playing so well in this series and there's only so much you can do to stop wiggins if you or if to stop tatum if you can hold him to four for 15 from two point range you are having a hell of a game regardless of how many assists jason tatum has if you can hold jason tatum to four for 15 from two point range with all the difficult arcs and angles that jason tatum contours his body to take because he has a really inefficient kobe bryant style when he tries to back people down jason tatum is mamba mentality guy and sometimes mamba mentality goes 6 for 24 in a game 7 like Kobe did in 2010 or it goes 7 or I think Kobe Bryant shot like 17% something like that in the game the 2004 finals I, he like was going aggressively for finals mvp and just combusted in that 04 finals but like All of it is so fascinating because Jason Tatum is being guarded really well by Andrew Wiggins. I'm interested to see how they keep playing up that team defense. So yeah, Wiggins being second best player on a championship team, hilarious to me. And uh, ball still in Boston's court. Game five. I'm going to be in Golden State for it. It's going to be so crazy and so fun. I'm really, really excited to see. Or I guess I'm in San Francisco. You keep, I'm already in the Golden State. But I'll drive over to San Francisco. I'll see how crazy this game is going to be. It's going to be so freaking fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you for continuing to support this here. Fine podcast. We're going to come at you with another show here on Monday. I technically already have it recorded, so I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to graduate college. Hope you enjoy yourselves. Get ready for game five. This is a fun NBA Finals. We'll talk to you again then. Take it easy, everybody. And on the night of Steph Curry, let us have drake play us out with my favorite i think when i was a kid it was like my favorite rap line ever uh from drake's song zero to 100 and the catch-up after that but i just love this line so much it was 2015 you got a name drop an athlete drake for people who don't know five years three out of five years drake was my uh, spotify rapped number one uh, artist so Drake is uh, our generation's defining artist and he's absolutely great at music and my favorite line for a time was this one name dropping an athlete cuz I was a weird sports kid who also happened to like Drake music. The shit layup. Been Steph Curry with the shot. Been cooking with the sauce. Chef Curry with the pie, boy. 360 with the wrist, boy. Hey. Thank you for listening to Believe.